Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. I'm your host, Jay Ewing. It's good to be in the booth today with Thomas Milburn. He's sitting next to me. It is a great summer day in Colorado. Someone turned up the heat. Thomas, let me ask you one question. Are you a beach guy or mountain guy? I'll take both. <laughs> At the same time. Double scoop, please. <laughs> both I, both. Do you feel like you're a beach or a mountain person? You know, I'm a mountain person in the winter because that's called ski season. Mm. And I love snow. I just love snow. Yeah. Um, but in the summer, I'm, I'm ready for the beach. Give me the beach. Get me so, around some water. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Colorado feels dry in the summer, but it does. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. My family this summer has been hanging out by the pool, probably the most we've ever, because our kids are like really swimming. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we don't have to watch them. They're just gone and having fun. That is so like much fun. the greatest thing. <laughs> I, I never had access to a pool growing up. Yeah. And now living in Erie, there's a community pool. Yeah, totally. That should be cleaned at least 10 times a day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. We were talking about how. It was probably the dirtiest we've ever seen it. Yeah. Like you're like swimming with your children and like, you know, bumping shoulders with everybody. Yeah. And you like you swim and as you're swimming, like there's just hair, like a vacuum <laughs> yeah, getting caught in your fingers. And you're like, who's, whose long hair is all of this? I'm bald. <laughs> you go to the wrong community. Pool, we then. should vacuum this thing. You don't pay enough in your HOA, yeah. I guess. I guess not. They must have run out of like chlorine tablets. <laughs> <It's> totally- <laughs> I did not know this was where the conversation but was I'm, going. But I'm game, like, you know. Yeah, I love the pool. I love Colorado, but I really I haven't been to the beach in a long time, and I'm missing the beach. Mm. I think that's one of my big things. So, you should go. I know. Southwest. Want to get away? Want to get away. Flights. Hey, we're in the middle of summer here at Calvary. Want to go to calvarybob.com. Click your campus. Click the events page because there's so many great things happening around in your midst here at Calvary. Love to connect you. Like always, you can write us at theweekly at calvarybible.com. We'd love to hear from you. And that is all our announcements for the week. Nice. I'm shortening them. Man, what a great Sunday. Yo. Here on the Erie campus, we had 12 baptisms. <laughs> we did have 12 baptisms. It was a great Sunday. And, you know, it was a, you had a six minute preach. It was great. Which now you qualify for the shortest message of the year. Not the longest. I would say shortest in history. <laughs> I bet there's been shorter. Not a chance. I bet there has been. In our, in that's, our that's called the announcements. Um, <laughs> but no, it was great. So if you ever been to a if you haven't been to a baptism at Calvary, yeah. it's like super family oriented. Yeah, like there are plenty family. of churches that are like doing a worship service and people are just getting dunked to the side. Yeah, and no shade on that. Yeah, Frank that's is, a beautiful thing as well. Yeah, one of the coolest things is what. Is um, Rick Warren's church years ago? He he baptized people for like eight hours Seriously. straight on Easter. That's right? awesome. That is That's awesome. An, that is a work of God. Yeah, only a work of God. We we just have like always structured. Yeah, being able to share their testimony. Yeah, the difference in their story, which maybe we have to adjust somehow. But it's great. It's just like a family service to hear what God's been up to from young kids all the way to. Adults, husbands and wives, yeah. and students, and just hearing how God is changing men's lives, women's lives. So encouraging. Yeah, you know, the last two weeks around this building have just confirmed what we always pray for, is that God is at work, and God is moving. 
Yeah. And maybe that's because we all got to see it within Kids Week. You know, all three campuses had just fantastic Kids Weeks. And then baptisms on this campus this weekend. It was just like, gosh, God is just doing things that are so unexpected. I know we got, and then they expect it as well. At the it's same great, time, right? We're looking for maybe another, looking at another thirteen or so, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we do our stuff out on the lawn. So if you want to get baptized, if you have not been baptized, go to calvarybio.com slash baptism. Sweet, sign up. Yeah, but yeah, that was great. That, that was, was super great. encouraging. It was great. I loved, you know, just the work of God. It's amazing. So okay, let's. That's a good question and a good start into. You preached on Philip. In the first hour, you preached a little longer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, I choked myself up on that one. Uh, Philip was with the Ethiopian eunuch, and they actually... He ended up getting baptized. Yeah. I, so we're in the series, Unsung Heroes, if you don't know, which you probably do at this point. Just looking at people who are less well-known, you get less messages on them on Sunday. And just looking at characteristics of their faith that we can imitate and revealing character traits about God that we can trust. Yep. And Philip is, I don't know, I think one of my favorite characters because what he does is so ordinary yep. slash led by God. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's almost miraculous, but like as every conversion is miraculous, that's how mm-hmm. Philip's story is. And then it's just ordinary. I mean, it's just an ordinary conversation with this gentleman under unordinary circumstances that so leads to baptism. What what's the most ordinary thing about it then? What is ordinary about Philip? Philip's seriously having a conversation with a guy in the back of a chariot. <laughs> I mean it's like if you could if you could write the story modern day and be like, Hey, Jay, you're gonna go over to Starbucks and then when you're at Starbucks you're sitting there and you feel the Lord's prompting to go sit next to the guy who's sitting there by himself reading his Bible mm-hmm. and you're like do you know what you're reading? And he says, no. Can you help me? And you're like, you bet. And let, then just let tell me. Let me go that, get my Americano real quick. Yeah, grab your Americano, sit down, and explain the gospel from the text that he's in. Yeah. Like, that's pretty ordinary. That is really ordinary. The extraordinary piece is where Philip and, and the eunuch are, are meeting on a kind of a desolate road as he's returning back to Ethiopia or the Ethiopian kingdom, which is south of Egypt. And what's extraordinary is kind of the fulfillment of Jesus' great commission to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth. You're like, man, how do you get the gospel to the ends of the earth? It's like God's already prepared that. He's brought this Ethiopian to Jerusalem to be a worshiper. Now he's leaving. So he's just encountered everything that we read about in Jesus' Passover, crucifixion, the ascension. um, And he's leaving without the gospel. And it's almost like God saying, hey, before that guy goes back to the ends of the earth, make sure he has the gospel with him because he's going to take the message to Ethiopia. Yeah. Amazing, right? This is just phenomenal. Amazing. And Philip just gets to play his part for a short period of time. Yeah. Who knows if the Ethiopian even remembers his name later on. Right. And it transforms this man's life. And we know from historical accounts that Christianity then finds great roots in Africa. Yeah. Great roots. So that I, don't know, I just think the whole story is phenomenal. It's like God's activity that Peter is obedient to in ordinary conversations that leads to God's extraordinary plan. And the end of that conversation, the Ethiopian gives his life to the Lord and is baptized. Yep. He just says, there's water. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he, they get bap- he gets baptized. Now, at Calvary, we 
we love baptism. You know, it's we call it a um, we observe the two ordinances that God's given us: communion and baptism. Um, we communion first first Sunday every month, and then baptism. A few times a year, we have these baptism services and opportunities for people to step in. How, as you study baptism, and as you're a pastor now um, for many years and have been in the trenches of ministry, what do you think about baptism? What's what's unique and what's very ordinary about baptism? I, I, I don't know. I think the baptism in some ways is a little funky in the Christian modern church. Yeah, that's a that's straight talk right there. It's like in our membership class, we tell people, you know, the question is, who should be baptized? It says, those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And then the next question in our membership class is, when should they be baptized? Like, immediately, as soon as possible, right? And I know we have a baptism class here where a pastor meets with someone who wants to be baptized, usually the week before the baptism, and just, you know, fundamentally goes through what do they believe. I think that class almost systematically stands for what Philip's doing. Mm-hmm. Because usually the person who comes to faith or is led, led to faith, that person's not getting baptized that moment. Yeah. You know, from the person that the speaker at maybe a conference or their mom and dad in their bedroom at night or, you know. The guy at Starbucks who shared the gospel exactly. with like, two weeks go? ago. There's a, there's a gutter over there. Yeah. It's flowing. Um, so there is a little bit of some clunkiness. But I think our baptism class stands as almost, it's not a confirmation of their faith, but it is just an affirmation of what God has done. They're, they're describing their belief. And right. we get to ask them questions. And then in confidence, baptize people. Right. Which, you know, we're a believer baptism church. We don't baptize infants. We, we believe those, uh, we, we believe that baptism is reserved for those who are professing faith on their own. Mm-hmm. I think that's the model that was given to us through the New Testament, example by the apostles and Jesus himself was baptized at a at an age of accountability. So, I, I mean, I love it also because it portrays the gospel story, right? Yeah. So it's Buried with Christ, it's Romans 6. Yeah, what are, we, what are we looking at when we see someone, like why underwater, why out of water, what is that? Yeah, actually, they're retelling the gospel to us. Just as communion is retelling the gospel, Jesus' blood and his body, the baptism is retelling the gospel for us in the sense that Jesus was buried and he rose again on third day. And we, in Romans 6, say, Paul says we're participating with that. We're actually... In union re- with it. Yeah, union with it. Being connected. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, so it's... I think a lot of times we think, okay, we're, we're immediately connected to Jesus' promise of eternal life. Yeah. Which is true. Very true. But Faith first only. we have to be buried with him. Mm-hmm. So there needs to be a death that we're associated with. Yep. And baptism is is a symbol of that death. Yeah, faith is, well, yeah, confessing Jesus as Lord is the first step of faith. I would say baptism is the first step of discipleship, which discipleship in its root is death to yep. self. It's the laying aside yourself in order to live for something else. Which I think is why it's a public affair. Yeah. Is for you to profess faith in Jesus and say, yes, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And then, hey, well, why don't you come and profess that in front of a, a company of people? Right. Well, I don't, I don't want to tell everybody. You're like, well, Jesus said, you, you deny me before men, and I deny you before the Father. Yeah. But if you recognize me before men, 
I will recognize you before the Father. And baptism is that first moment of obedience to say, I recognize that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Yeah. In front of men, you know. It's really true. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. And, you know, as a believer, it gets confusing because if you've been in other churches, you said it's also a squirrely thing in today's modern church. There's so many different beliefs about baptism. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of different beliefs about communion, just a few. But in baptism, it's like all over the board. Like what's happening in the tub, what's what what's it doing? Why you don't need it at times, yeah. why you do need it. How many times can you be baptized? You, yeah, totally. Like you know, if if you've been baptized before, even as a as a youth, right, but you're just trying to shore things up with Jesus, like that's not what baptism is. Right. Um, baptism is the first act of obedience. Now if you were baptized as a as a child, um, like a baby, as an infant, yeah. Or an infant, yeah. I think the way that, that we've always encouraged people is that you honor the people that, by faith, baptized you. Yeah. So, if your mother or father, by faith, had you baptized as an infant, and you feel the conviction of, man, I, I just did not live towards the Lord all those years, and as an adult, I want to profess faith. You can be baptized, honoring the faith of your parents, but saying, this is, this is my act of obedience to follow Jesus. Yep. But if you've been baptized before as an adult and then think, gosh, I've sinned a lot, you're like, yeah, the baptism is not the mechanism. It's just repentance. It's repentance. And confession. Yeah. Those are the mechanisms. Those are the other things he gave us. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so Those are sometimes the harder ones. Yeah, you don't have to be baptized again. So. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, as you've examined your New Testament, like, can you see how other faith streams got different views of baptism? Or you're like... This is pretty clear. And just church history got in the way or political history got in the way? No, I think, think they just read texts differently than we do. Right? They read household texts differently than we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, some denominations associate baptism with circumcision, like mm-hmm. marks of the of the spiritual family. Yep. And so that's done at birth, right? right. Um, some view it not as an ordinance. So an ordinance is what God gives as a symbol. Um, they view it as a sacrament. Sacraments are means of grace. Yeah. So if it's a sacrament, then it's the way in which it's the channel in which I receive grace. Yeah. Um, so I think they're, they're reading texts differently than we do. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah, I I think I, I'll, I'll I'll confess to you and to the weekly. I've read a book. It's like six hundred pages about the first five hundred years of baptism in the early church. Did you just like theologically flex? No, no, I did not. I think you just theologically. I did not. Flex. I read a book. That was 600 pages on baptism. I was, I, (laughs) when it comes to church history, when we talk about baptism, I'm super interested because I think it's an interesting topic. Like it's in my, you know, not soapbox, but it is my, it is. It's one of your things. It's one of my things. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I came out of a tradition, a tradition, which like you were saved and baptized. And now when were you saved? When you got baptized. Yeah. Were you saved when you? When you got baptized, no, but you're saved. You know what I mean? It got real. Yeah. The the two things line up too close a little bit. And so I came out of that tradition. That's my family tradition. That's my church tradition. And I've always wrestled with this question, like, when do we need to be baptized? And so reading church history helps me understand the implications of why we came to some of these conclusions. And why does Calvary do it we, the way in which we do? And how does that honor God? How do we read the text that we do? You know, that's 
that's part of our Christian journey is like, why do you believe what you believe? It's so important that you know that. Yeah. Like who told you how to believe that? And that's a work of working out your faith in fear and tremble. This working, this idea of um, just examining why you believe what you believe. It's so important to, for the foundation. So anyways, that's why I like baptism. So I didn't theologically flex, even though you're <laughs> just probably, joking. Yeah, yeah. I'm just messing with you. But I love it. I love the topic. I think it's just fascinating. Yeah, so the eunuch, I think, has a, has a unique posture towards Philip that I don't <laughs> think is exhibited by others. And you talk about just ha- having that theological humility. Yeah. You think, okay, this man, he's in the king's court. He is one of the top advisors. He's overseeing the monies of an empire. He can read. He's well-educated. He even has his hands on a scroll. Yeah, he, he's got some buko like, bucks that's by like, a scroll. Maybe not even one percent of the world. Yeah, so he's that, reading time. Yeah. his own personal copy of the Book of Isaiah. It's like probably 0.5 percent of the world could do that. Yeah, or even yeah. Maybe, I don't know, maybe less. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, it's really, yeah. And so when Philip comes running up to his chariot, his his prize carriage on the way home, and hears him reading out loud, which is the practice of reading in the first century, he says, "Hey, do you do you understand what you're reading? Can you just imagine the the average American who's well to do, accomplished, educated?" And some middle class Jewish guy comes running up. Do you need some help up there? Yeah, totally. Let me, let me just look at you and like roll the windows up. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Maybe <laughs> tinted, triple tinted, <laughs> triple tinted. <laughs> like, get out of here. Yeah. But the the uh, the Ethiopian man is just like, no, I need a guide. How can I understand this without a guide? Yeah. And I think that's just helpful for us when we look at the scriptures, not to have any arrogance about ourselves, mm-hmm. but say, you know what? I think we all need some guides in this. Mm-hmm. Like, are other people confirming what I'm sensing in this text? Right. In my own study, does, what does church history have to say about this? What do other pastors have to say about this? What does my community have to say about this? Mm-hmm. And being humble enough to have a guide in your life mm-hmm. show you what the scriptures mean. Yeah, it's so important. That's been so foundational in my life, right? And your life as well, is yeah. people to come alongside you and help you read better. God's word. And okay, how many people do you think you have had part of your f- Christian formation, like been some small voice in you that have helped you come to the beliefs that you have? More than two? More than two. <laughs> <laughs> More than probably 40. Right? Yeah. And yeah. how many do you distinctly remember? Uh, I don't know. I probably can name 12 of them, yeah. 15 of them. Yeah. Like, how awesome is it that Philip comes in and meets the man where he's at, moves him along with the journey, mm-hmm. and then is gone. Okay, I, I really want to ask you this question. This text is begs this question. What happens to Philip? Because <laughs> we're all we're probably, we're all reading this text, and if you don't know this text... Oh, tell it, us about it, Jake. Yeah. Tell us about the text. Philip shows up, Ethiopian, conversation, conversion, baptism, and then the text says Philip disappears. Yeah. Like, that's that's it. I don't know if it says, what, we'll see. what does is it? Does he pierce? What, is, what does the ESV say? Let me ask that. The ESV. The extra sanctified version. Just like Jesus wrote it. <laughs> um, Get, tell the reference as well. It's Acts. Right, so this is Acts chapter 8, verse 40. So we'll read in verse 39. And when they came 
up out of the water, so right after baptism, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went away, went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, as he passed through and preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So, it doesn't actually say he disappears. It says the Spirit carried him away. Mm-hmm. And that, that could, I mean, here, some great commentators, I think, make this point better than I do. I have no reason to diminish a miracle of God. Yeah. Okay? I often say this. If you've never heard me say this, listen to me say this. I already believe the first five words of the Bible, so I'm open to anything. <laughs> you, know? you actually get a plain reading of the first five words? Well, it's words? like, if you take the first five words of the Bible, in the beginning, God created. Yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> if you believe that, then I, don't, so I think it's funny people take that and they're like, yeah, I believe that God created everything. Cool. But you stumble over that he healed a... A, a leper. <laughs> You're like, he created a leper. He created skin. He created, I mean, it's like, come on, people. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, I have no need to diminish a miracle if it's a miracle. Yeah. I also don't have to account for it being a miracle if it's not a miracle. Mm-hmm. So in some reading, you in some plain reading, you could just say it's almost like the spirit carried him away with new marching orders or yeah. instructions. So he comes out of the water. They hug the Ethiopian says, hey, come back to Ethiopia with me. And he says, the Spirit has other things for me. Yeah. I'm on my way to Caesarea. Yeah. And so the Spirit carries him away to his next destination. Yeah. Or you could account for some miraculous thing, like Elijah, right? Yeah. Like running ahead and, and, meet, and beating other uh, messengers. Like, how'd you get here so fast? I don't know. Yeah. So I don't need to diminish it being a miracle. I also don't think it has to be accounted for as a miracle either. Oh, man, that's such a political <laughs> right down the middle. That's so funny. Okay, what is okay. when Thomas Milburn is not recorded, what do you think it is? I definitely think it's, you know what I mean? <laughs> did you not record that piece? Yeah. Oh, did it, did it capture that? Yeah, yeah it did. did. Okay, yeah. good. Thanks. We settled that for me. Thank you. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> All right, so like, what are this? What are in in all these unsung heroes, yeah. What have been, do you think, the overarching character of faith, characteristic of faith that each of them have had? If you're gonna sew a needle, yeah, I will have to give where credit where credit is due. Is I've been reading Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard, so it's shaped a lot of my summer thinking. I would say what has stuck out to me because of that book and because sort of these characters, that God is a God of a relationship. And each of these characters in some way encountered God and God responded in a relational way to them. Mm, That's good. And sometimes we see the big things like, did the Spirit of the Lord carry away Philip? And not realize Philip had a relationship that the Spirit of the Lord carried him away. Does that make sense? Yeah. And sometimes we see we see all these characters, and they've been some great stories. I think just some of the fantastic stories. Maybe I think Lois is probably my favorite one so far because you caught me, you caught my attention in that unique way. However, each one of them 
had a relationship with God. And God was responding in relationship. Not out of function, but out of more of a delight. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I think maybe in an analogy, yeah. it's like we think coming to, to church or listening to the pastor preach or getting spiritual goods and services is almost like your experience at Chick-fil-A. Right. Like it's the number one for everybody. Right. And some, some, in some way there's some customizable aspects of it, but essentially it's a number one. Yeah. Extra, extra pickle. Extra pickle. Yeah. <laughs> I love extra pickles yeah. on my number one. Uh, but really what it is, it's like there's a banquet that's set mm-hmm. with, with a, a divine meal yep. by God himself that has known you, loves you, knows your appetites, knows where you're at, what, what kind of nourishment you need, mm-hmm. and has set the table for you to sit down with him. Yep. And it's like, that's awesome. Yeah. And he does it for each individual, which blows my mind. Totally. Away. Like, he does it. How does he have time to even know that? Yeah. How does he even have thought or even energy for that to even do it that way? I think that's just the beauty of, of what, what it means that he is our father. Like, yes, he's my father. Yes, he's your father. But he's our father. Like, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray to our father who knows his children and how he's wired them, how he lo- how he's created them, you know. And I think there's some ways in which he divinely works through ordinary means to meet each one of us individually. Like, yeah. There's these, you know, it's fun after services when people ask, like, oh, my gosh, did you read my journal this week and write that message just for me? And it's like, it only works that way when I, when I first write the message for me. Yeah, no doubt. And then it can be written for you. No doubt. I made that joke even in the baptism tub when the, Matthew 11 was quoted twice from two different people. I was like, who's paying attention yeah. in this room? <laughs> you know, when like, things are repeated. Yeah, when things are repeated, especially scripture in your life, you've, you probably, that's the banquet table set for yeah. you. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you know, as we sum it up this summer in just this series, I, I keep thinking of 1 John 4. 19 says we love because he first loved us and no matter like with kids week no matter with all the Haitian pastors in town no matter wilderness trips camps these wonderful Sundays baptisms all these stories that we've encountered this summer it's all because he loves us he loved us first yeah it's amazing all right, so here's here's two challenges to make it as applicable as possible. Great. What happened on Sunday to your real life lift? So in some respect, can you honestly tell tell yourself, like, where are you like the Ethiopian mm-hmm. in God's word, seeking understanding, but needing a guide? So will you seek out a guide to help you understand the things of the Lord? And then two, how can you be like Philip, where you're sensitive to the Spirit's leading to those around you, um, to go alongside them and say, hey, do you understand how things happen in the world? Do you understand the things of God? Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand how marriage works, how life works, and come alongside them as that guide, as a humble guide, asking questions, but helping people on the way to finding Jesus? No doubt, man. That's really good. I'm going to just be paying attention at Starbucks. <laughs> Who has their Bible open? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's going to happen to you. It's totally going to happen. This is going to happen to you, too. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Bring a story. Yeah. 
Hey, Calvary, we love you. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week, and we look forward to being back with you next week. Like always, we're always praying for you, and you can always reach out to us at theweekly at calvarybible.com. See you soon.